0: Right. Hello and greetings podcast world. Uh we are here back at Efree in the 4th grade Sunday school class. Uh Ryan is has a weekend getaway with his wife Tanya and so I'm joined by Seth raymert with us this morning and so we're going to be tackling Acts chapter 14, which is where we were at church on yesterday. We covered the whole chapter. Literally a lot of ground to cover because Paul and Barnabas traveled uh, a lot of different places as they continued and concluded their first uh, missionary journey uh, in Acts chapter 14. So Seth, just kind of our normal way of doing things as you have had uh, some time here now to reflect on the passage and just think over Acts chapter 14 to say what, what stood out to you the most from this chapter?
1: Well, I guess a couple of things. First off, I really appreciate, man, Paul and Barnabas's boldness, Uh, just to go out and proclaim the gospel amidst insane persecution. Um, As someone who's personally trying to get more aggressive about going out and sharing the gospel, I'm often shamed when I read chapters like Acts 14 because I'm like, Paul literally just got stoned for preaching the gospel. And I'm I'm afraid of going out and talking to people about Christ because it's going to sound weird and I'm going to feel uncomfortable, and then I read these passages, and I'm just like, oh, I'm such a wimp. Um, so anyway, so that's that's convicting to me, and uh, yeah, I, I just love to see that. Man, everywhere they are going, they are passionately proclaiming the gospel. Um, people are believing. God is te- attesting to the gospel that's being proclaimed right through signs and miracles. So yeah, so I love to see how the Holy Spirit is working through Paul and Barnabas to continue, continue to carry forth the gospel message, but then also one thing that stuck out to me was just uh, just kind of the fickleness of men, because mm. right when they come to Lystra, they're being uh, worshipped as <laughs> as gods. Like man, Hermes and Zeus have come down among us, right? And they're getting ready to sacrifice to them until Paul and Barnabas end up stopping them, um, and then it's just uh, you know just a little bit later, and then they end up stoning them. And it's just a reminder of like, man, if you're living to please man, uh, that is very fleeting. Um, Jesus ended up coming into Jerusalem and they praised him as the king. You know, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're laying down palm branches in front of him. And then a week later, they're crucifying him on the cross. Uh, And so it's just a reminder to me like, man, live to please God, um, to proclaim his gospel and not for the praise of men, because it is very fleeting.
0: Right. You know, it's interesting that you brought that up, Seth, because that was one of the things that I was thinking about in this chapter. And yet there's only so much that you can get in in right. one sermon, right? And there was a lot of, of, of passage to cover. Uh, and so that was one of the things that kind of fell on the cutting room floor uh, is exactly that idea. Because I saw that same thing about, wow, how did these guys go from one minute worshiping them to the next minute killing them? I mean, yep. that, I can't, I mean that's a really really drastic uh, turn of events there, right? And and so that does so. I had the same thought of wow, um, man. Be be wary of how much stock you put in 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 man, right? Because uh, we are we are a fickle people, aren't we? Um, and so to think that uh, we just can't put too much stock in one another's um, opinions uh, one another's, uh, you know, finding significance in people, Mm. uh, finding our acceptance in people, because at the end of the day, that's just not something that we can really, really trust in. Right.
1: Mm, Absolutely. And,
0: and so I thought about that too, that like, uh, you know, to know that, you, you know, just a good reminder that, you know, Jesus is the one that we find our most security in, his opinion is the one that matters most. And, you know, knowing that we are aligned with him and, you know, he's not going to be one that Jesus is not fickle, right? Mm. Jesus is, we don't have to worry about this with Jesus. He's not going to turn on us and uh, in, in the way that these, these people have turned here. And so, yeah, it is a good reminder not to elevate men too high. Um, not to seek the praise of men, not to seek the approval of men. Uh, there's a, there's a lot in there, just a reminder of, of, of how we approach that. So yeah, I'm glad that you brought that out. You know, I think your, your thought about boldness is really uh, a good point too. I like, I, I w what really stood out to me was the transition between verses two and three and the idea of boldness, right. That where it says, you know, the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time. You know, it's like, like that's Luke's way of saying, but you know what? That didn't bother them in the least bit. You know, it's like they almost dug their heels in and said, you know, we're going to stay for a long time. And not only that, we're going to speak boldly for the Lord and we're going to bear witness to his grace. Mm -hmm. You know, like saying that did not um, make them go, "Oop, Hey, it's getting a little uncomfortable here. Maybe it's time for us to get out of town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not what they do, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. And, it, and then it gets to the point where, man, they you know, an attempt is made, verse 5, you know, to stone them. And so they learn of it. And so then they do. They leave. They go to Leicester and Derby. But then right. even while they're there, you know, the opposition ends up following them and stoning them. And so, yeah, if if you're going out and proclaiming the gospel, you're stepping onto the battlefield. Um the enemy does not want people to know Christ and submit to him and worship him. The devil wants us to, man, to to, to worship him. He wants us to be focused on living for ourselves, right? He's the first one who, who tried to exalt himself above God and everyone who um, does the same thing is following his example. And so he doesn't want people to know the gospel and be set free from their sin. And so, yeah, when we go out and we preach that, we are going to encounter opposition and yeah, there's a certain there. Yeah, I love how they just like when the opposition rises up, they remained a long time. They dig their heels and they right. continue to proclaim the gospel. And then when it gets to the point where they're like, all right, they're going to kill us. You know, they sense the need to move on. And right. even then moving on, you know, the opposition still finds them. And so right. I do think it is important for us to recognize, man, when we go out and preach the gospel, we are engaging in spiritual warfare. And so we need to be anticipating it. Um, And we need to, man, we should love God enough that we're willing to uh, walk through that if it means that other believers um, are going to be saved as a result. One thing I love from looking at this passage is by the time you go just a little bit further on in the book of Acts in chapter 16, you're going to see one of the guys who is saved through their preaching of the gospel in this area, and that's Timothy, right? Right? As Paul comes back through. He ends up finding Timothy from this area where he'd been preaching the gospel, and so uh, it's not far-fetched to think that you know that this is something that may have been um, instrumental in Timothy's life and help in helping to point him to Christ, who he goes on to be a tremendous right uh, pastor for the early church and helping Paul in his minute, uh, in his missionary journeys, and so um, you never know how God is working through. His proclamation of the gospel and all the people he's drawing, and as you read this passage, man, there's 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 a lot of people um, who are coming to faith in Christ through this. So right. it's
0: worth right, it. right. You do see that in every town, right? In Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, all these places, you see that there are disciples that are made in every town, in every place. Even though there's opposition, there are also there's also great fruit that is taking place too, and to see that mm-hmm. both of these things are taking place at once. Now, do you think it's interesting, something you brought up about Iconium, that does show that Paul and Barnabas have some sort of discernment, right? They're not gluttons for punishment, right? that they do say, hey, we're going to stay a long time. Yes, there is opposition here, but we're going to stay. But when they do see that, oh, now there's a threat on our life, that they do have the discernment to say, you know what? It's probably time for us to go ahead and get out of town. Mm. Like, they didn't say like, oh, they're going to kill us. Well, okay. You know, I think that they saw that they did have a mission. And that mission is for them to continue to spread the gospel. They were charged to go to these places. Mm. And so they're like, you know what? It is time for us to, it is time for us to go. Mm. And to know that there is a discernment that sometimes, and it would be interesting to know the ins and outs of that. Like what was it in Paul and Barnabas that said, we're going to stay, we're going to stay, we're going to stay, but now it's time to go. But it did show that they were just not like saying, man, we're just going to run to every moment of persecution and just say, you know, bring it on. You know, I do think that they did see that. Hey, there's a time to to cut, and they they did. They got they got out mm-hmm.
1: there. You see the same thing with Jesus too, right? You know, right. there are yep. a lot of times he recognized it wasn't his hour, and you know he's preaching the gospel around Judea, and he began to see that the Pharisees were becoming more hostile towards him, and so then he'd go back up to Galilee, yeah, and slips proclaim the gospel. The crowds, there. Yep, right? slips through the crowds. Yep, right. all sorts of stuff. So it's right. just like. There is, there is an expectation of opposition, but also, man, when you're trusting God, like, He's going to lead you. And if He's calling you to go somewhere else again, the gospel is continuing to be proclaimed through these other towns as they're moving on. And it's actually the persecution of the early of the church that we see early on in Acts that causes it to shotgun out to Samaria and of the surrounding regions, uh, regions as that persecution is ramping up. <clears throat> so even the persecution itself man, is often used to go out and and take the gospel to other regions. So, yeah, I think it just takes a sensitivity to the Spirit to know when God is calling you to go and when He's calling you to stay.
0: All right, so let me ask you this question, Seth. This is something that I was thinking about and we were discussing here earlier. Uh, So, you know, it does say, you know, they leave Antioch, and then they land in Iconium, and it does say that they stay for a long time. No, we don't know how long that is, but it wasn't just a couple of days, right? So obviously right. they stayed for an extended period of time and then they move into Lystra and we don't know at all how long they stay in Lystra, but finally we read in 19, but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. So We don't know if this is weeks or months or how many months, but like the thought that hit me was like, wow, these people in Antioch, especially they didn't let go Mm. of their anger and frustration with Paul and Barnabas, you know, so much to the, it's not like they're like, okay, he's out of town. That troublemaker's gone. We can just go on to regular living. No, they continue to be really upset so much so that they go and gather people in Iconium To join them, and then they head to Lystra, a hundred and twenty-mile journey on foot that they make, in order to turn the people from Lystra against them and stone him. So, I guess my question—that's a long lead into my question— which is why are the Jews? What we don't know. I mean, uh, we know. I think we can know, but it doesn't specifically say why the Jews are so upset at Paul and Barnabas. My thing—it is good to think through—is to say why were the Jews? so upset at Paul and Barnabas to do all that they did.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's, that's something that we've talked about before. Right. And uh, just looking at it, just uh, the, the Jews very much had a zeal for God, right? We see this in Romans chapter 10, verses one through four brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, them being the Israelites is that they may be saved for. I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God but not according to knowledge, right? They're zealous for God, but they don't fully know him. Verse three, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Right? Because they weren't submitting to the righteousness of God and because they were seeking to establish their own, they didn't recognize God's Messiah um, when he came. And so they're blinded, literally, by their own self-righteousness. Um, but then they still recognize that the Torah is God's word, that it was passed down to them. And so they have a zeal for God's word to safeguard it, to protect it. Um, And because they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, right, they ended up crucifying him and anyone to say that he's the Messiah, they would hold as being a blasphemer of God's word and someone who needs to be severely dealt with. I mean, that's why Saul himself um, ends up going all the way up to Damascus to persecute the church like that's clear up in Syria. That's a long ways from Jerusalem. But he recognized that, man, if they're going and proclaiming to God's people, the Jews, that the Messiah is coming, he's not a Messiah, he's a false Messiah, then they need to be silenced, right? They have this seal for God, but again, it's it's without knowledge. They've been blinded by their own self-righteousness, and they don't recognize Jesus as Messiah. And I think we see the same thing um, in the world today. I think you see Muslims who are very passionate, right, about God and and a sense of God's glory and yet right and, and yet they've twisted God's word and they've twisted their view of who Jesus is, yet they're willing to go to their deaths, right? Um, in order to uh, to in order for in order to go for the glory of God. And so I think you, you see a lot of the same thing in Acts chapter fourteen happening with the Jews. They are passionate about God, but it's without knowledge, and this leads them to go to great lengths to persecute the early church.
0: Yeah, I think Paul and Barnabas, with preaching the good news of the gospel of Jesus, was preaching a message that was turning their religious system totally upside down. Right? right, you know, because the message of Jesus is you are saved by trusting in Him for the forgiveness of your sins. That it's not, hmm. um, it's not circumcision that saves you. It's not keeping all the you know six hundred and was it sixteen laws in the in the old testament that they are to keep that saves you you know that they're saying yeah you know that because that point of that romans chapter 10 passage that you read is the jewish people were saying these are the things that i need to do in order to secure my salvation very works-based very man-centric and it sets you up in a sense to be god because you're you're figuring out your own salvation And then Jesus comes, or Paul and Barnabas come with the message of Jesus that says, no, you need to trust in the work of Christ and not in your own work. You need someone else's work to save you. And it's not these things. And I think that's Mm. what really, you know, I think that's kind of, you know, really going into detail of what that Romans chapter 10 passage is saying Mm. is that, hey, it's not what you do. It's what God did. You need a righteousness outside yourself to save you. You cannot muster up enough righteousness to save Mm. yourself. And I think that just cut at the core of what they have been told for generations, right? Um, And went totally against that. And that Paul and Barnabas are basically tearing down their idea of what it means to have a relationship with God and know God. Mm -hmm. And they're bringing in something completely different. Mm -hmm. And I think that they just, and that's what infuriated them. Because it goes against everything that they know. So let me ask you this. Um, I want to look at, um, let's look in verses uh, 20 and, and 21, where it said, when they preached the gospel in that city, which was Derbe, and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, Antioch. Uh, and it, for these purposes, right, it says to strengthen the souls of the disciples, to encourage them to continue in the faith, and to say that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Mm. Why do you think that was the message that Paul and Barnabas b- brought to those three towns that they went back to, to talk to the believers there?
1: Well, I mean, they just saw Paul and Barnabas getting severely persecuted. I mean, Paul just got stoned, right? Dragged outside the city, right? Uh, at Being left for dead. And so, you know, for them, they, they may be thinking like, oh, wow, like, you know, they're probably afraid as well. Like, is this going to happen to us? You know, the disciples, after they saw Jesus crucified, right, they go into hiding. Um, They're hiding in a room behind locked doors when Jesus ends up appearing uh, in their midst. Again, it's normal that when you see the people whom you're following in Christianity seemingly executed um, for what they've done to to be discouraged, and like oh man, like what do I do now? Like, do like, do, is this something that I continue to pursue? And so, what they do is, I love it. They end up going back to, all right, Lystra and Iconium in Antioch. He goes right back into the city, the very place where this persecution arose, and he's encouraging them in the faith. Um, he's encouraging them to continue to follow the Lord, strengthening the souls, their souls, encouraging them to continue in the faith, right? And he's saying that, man, through these tribulations, like that's how we're going to enter into the kingdom of God. It's, it's not going to be an easy life. And if you're, that's why Jesus tells his disciples too, to count the cost. Um, because there is a cost of persecution, uh, that, that comes with, um, passionately following Christ and proclaiming the gospel. And he wanted them to see that, man, Christ is worth it and that he's suffering it. God preserved his life through that, right? They supposed he was dead. He wasn't. God God saved, God, God saved his life through that um, and is continuing to use him to go out and continue to proclaim Uh, the gospel, and I think that, man, when the people who you've been discipling and building up in Christ see that example of someone who's willing to die for the gospel, and it says, man, this is, Christ is worth it, and they're strengthening, encouraging your faith, even after you've seen them, like, basically publicly executed, but they didn't die, it's just like, that would be a tremendous encouragement that, yeah, Christ is worth it, and I'm going to follow their example in suffering for the gospel.
0: Yeah, I think in, I think one thing that can happen when we read a chapter like Acts uh, chapter 14 is we focus a lot on Paul and Barnabas. And we say, wow, look at how bold they were. Wow, look at all that they endured. Look at all that they did. But I think what these two verses do is to remind us that, hey, there were believers in churches in all three of these towns, right? Mm-hmm. And these are believers that stayed when Paul and Barnabas left. All they're right. still there. They're still living every day. They're getting up every morning going to work, coming home at night, being with their family, worshiping with believers, trying to live this Christian life, and knowing that, hey, this message that we are holding to is the message that got these guys run out of town. Mm. And were they feeling the heat too? Mm. Were believers in the churches in Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, what was their day-to-day life? How much pressure were they feeling? And I think that's why... Paul gives this summary statement of verse 22 to these believers to say, look, guys, um, we know you're here. We know we're going to move on, but we know you're here. And we know that you need this encouragement to not give up Mm -hmm. and to stand strong and to know that Jesus will be worth it. He'll be worth all, you know, the kingdom of God is worth going through many tribulations. So be encouraged. Mm -hmm. Don't lose heart. Don't give up hope. And I think that is good for the church today to hear too, right? You know, we can look at the cultural tide that we may feel like we're fighting against today. And but to remember the gospel prevails, right? To not mm. don't give up. Know that that um suffering has happened in every generation in one form or fashion for believers. And to know that um that you can uh you can prevail, that you can get through this. So I thought that mm. was a, a good a good reminder that there are there were normal everyday Christians just living out their Christian life in all of these towns as well. Hmm. So any other thoughts that you had from the chapter here in Acts chapter 14?
1: I think that pretty well sums it up.
0: I really liked, I thought verse 27 was a really good summary statement where it says when they arrived and gathered, the church together, they declared all that God had done with them Mm. and how he had opened door of faith uh, to the Gentiles. You know, you read that verse and it sounds like, you know what? We had great success Mm. and it wasn't all successful. Right. But when he says all that God had done from them, I wonder if that included, you know what? And that included the persecution that we had too. Mm. you know, that included, you know, yeah, we got threatened in one town. And, you know, we actually, Paul actually got, you know, stoned in another town. And, you know, instead assumed, uh, supposing that he was dead, you know, we don't know if he was really dead or not, but he gave every ind- indication that he was dead.
1: Right. You know, that
0: the, it says that disciples gathered about him, like they're gathered around him, like, you know, we've just lost our guy here. Um, and yet they come back and give this report to say, look at what God has done. You know, that's a great perspective to think that when we look back in our life, that we can look back at not only the victories and the good times, but also look back at the trials and the hardship and the suffering, and Mm. that we can look at it all and say, look at what God has done. Mm. Look at what God has done. God is working in all of the things that take place in our right, not just the good things, but in the bad things as well. That we can say, look at what God has done. Look at how he opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Look at way he is doing this and to just recognize that they see God's sovereign hand working and moving in everything that happened in this chapter.
1: Yep. He his gospel's going forth, he's continuing to draw people to the truth. He's the one who ends up commissioning Barnabas and Saul, right, to go on out and proclaim the gospel, and this is their first missionary journey, right, that they've taken off on. And man, they have they've gone all throughout Cyprus, right? And into Phrygia and, and, and literally have seen this the gospel going forth in a powerful way to where like entire towns are divided right over the gospel, some believing and yeah. some being opposed to it. But through it all, God is saving his church. He is drawing people unto salvation. Yeah, and he's doing that work still today. His <laughs> um his spirit is just as potent now as it was back then and we've received that same commission so i just every time i read this i'm just so encouraged um, by how the spirit worked through them and it just makes me want to be obedient to um to go out and to proclaim the gospel to the people whom god is calling me to proclaim the gospel to and persecution may come but um god will give us the strength we need to endure it and even in that persecution it draws us closer to christ to know him more um as Paul says, the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul in Philippians chapter 3 he says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Um, and I do think that there is a knowledge of God, a deepening of your walk with God that comes even as you're suffering for the gospel to make him known. Um, and he's worth it. That's what we're seeing here, man. God is worth it and they're continuing um, to proclaim the gospel, and God is continuing to work to save people through that,
0: right, made me think of John one four and five, where it talks about Jesus that in him was life, and the light was the light of men, and the light shine in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness will never overcome the light of Christ, mm. right, even today, even today, when we walk around and think, man, things look really dark in our world or in our nation, and you know we 're a post Christian nation. Um, and it can feel pretty weighty and discouraging. And yet, the, no matter how dark it may get, the light has overcome the darkness. Mm. Darkness will not overcome the message of the gospel. The good mm-hmm. news of Jesus will triumph. It will prevail. And it will bring about a victory. And that's, I think that's a good reminder. I think that's mm. a good hope for us, even in the day and age that we live in.
1: Absolutely. I—I I think we. I, I think we always have to keep that in front of us. I think we have to recognize where we're at in redemptive history, um, that we're in the church age where God's gospel is continuing to go forth, right? There is spiritual warfare that's happening, but Jesus is coming back to reign as king and to establish his kingdom forever on the new heaven and new earth. And so we can go out and wage this spiritual war with the full confidence that God um, is going to win. that Jesus is going to triumph in the end. And having that end in mind, I think, just encourages us to persevere, right, Um, to continue in the faith, um, knowing that, yeah, God will establish his kingdom forever. And we want as many people to know him before that day comes.
0: Amen. Amen. That's a good word. All right, well, thanks for joining in and listening to us this week. Hope you're encouraged by Acts chapter 14 and everything that is happening, not only in Paul and Barnabas' with the believers in all these towns as well. Next week, we're going to be in Acts chapter 15, uh, the council of Jerusalem. To be honest, I don't remember how far Ryan is going in Acts chapter 15. I don't think he's covering the whole chapter, but I know he's covering at least a good, portion of it. So uh, if you enjoy reading ahead, you can start reading Acts chapter 15, uh, the council, the Jerusalem Council, some really significant things for the life of the church taking place in Acts chapter 15. And so thanks for being with us, and we'll um, look forward to talking with you next week. Uh, keep reading the Word and keep uh, looking to Christ. Have a good week.